Support the Love Thy Neighbor podcast network at anchor.fm slash Anthony dash Wilson slash support. Again, anchor.fm slash Anthony dash Wilson slash support. If you'd like to give a one-time gift, go to dollar sign A Wilson 2273 on your cash app. God bless you. God bless you and welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson, and you will be joining me tonight for our Tuesday night Bible study as we dive into our series, All About the Messiah. And so as you join us, uh, make sure you take notes, make sure you listen closely as we talk about the prophetic, uh, the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled uh, in his birth. And we'll take a sneak peek, a glance at the second temple period, the intertestamental period or the 400 years of silence in between the Old Testament and the New Testament and some of the things that transpired that influence our New Testament um, and how they change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So make sure you tune in, uh, grab your notes, grab your Bible, grab a Strong's and let's get ready to learn. God bless you. That made it difficult for them to be expecting him for some reason. Um, we'll do some closing announcements and then we'll do closing prayer. And so uh, we'll open up with some prayer and then we're going to dive in. Um, would anyone like to open us up? Anybody want to volunteer to open us up in prayer? I could. Amen. G. Berry. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you, God, for this time of of really diving in deeper into your word, getting a a deeper and more rich understanding of Messiah and the fulfillment of what you have done, Lord. Lord, I pray in this time, Lord, that we will be attentive, that if if there be any questions, but there will be a time of soaking in, of meditating on and learning and growing deeper. Lord, I, I pray that you um, touch the teacher, Lord, that um, his words will be clear to the articulation of, um, of the word. Holy Spirit, just lead and guide into all of your truth, Lord, that this will be a time of soaking in, receiving, and understanding of who you are. I thank you, Lord, and I say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, can you hit the recording on there? might have to bring bring up the green bar and then go to the three dots and just record to the cloud if you would yeah sometimes it's oh it says it's already I think it's recording already it's already recording yeah okay yeah Mm All right. good good to go Um, so we're going to dive into it uh one of the, the main prophecies that we see is this Emmanuel prophecy. Um, and so we're going to look at, does Jesus fulfill the Old Testament prophecies and, you know, how accurately he does. And then we're going to talk a little bit about why it's important, um, his fulfillment of prophecy. So let's do a little bit of a recap uh, from Sunday's uh, message. So the series that we're in is called um, All About the Messiah, Um, and we've covered the birth line of the Messiah, uh, the birth of the Messiah, and the birthplace of the Messiah so far. Um, This past week, we were in Matthew chapter 2, and a little bit of Luke, we bounced around a little bit, and then we bounced to the Old Testament to look at some of the Old Testament prophecies. that were fulfilled. So Sunday's message, um, what are some things that you took away? What are some things that stood out to you uh, that are resonating with you uh, from the message on Sunday? So let's start there. Uh, 
Anybody? Nobody has anything from the message on Sunday? I do. Okay, Mr. Mike. When Joe, Pastor Joe was talking about how you have to be in place, be in the right place, you know, um, in at the right time, how Joseph was in one place, um, and in order for a prophecy to be fulfilled, he had to get to the place he needed to be in. And so that's what stood out to me, um, being in a place um, for your for that prophecy to take place. Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I thought that was a, an interesting um, comment on Sunday, and one of the things that stood out to me was um, when he was saying that it's like, in order for God to accomplish His will. He needs to, <laughs> you need to make sure that you're where you're supposed to be. You know, so often we can take a statement like that and make it about being in the right place to get what we want in life or get, being in the right place for certain things to happen for us. But literally you saw that, you know, Joseph had to go to the right place. There were things that happened that positioned him to be in the right place for God's word to be fulfilled. And so often um, there are things that God is still trying to fulfill that we're not in the right place because we don't, we're not really following the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, Joseph was being led, you know, an angel, you know, spoke to him and he obeyed. He didn't say, Oh, I don't know what that was. Maybe that was dinner. You know, <laughs> maybe I'm just tripping. He actually moved. He actually went, you know, when uh, the angel spoke to him first about Mary, he did what he was supposed to do. And then about leaving the place where he was um, and, and going to uh, Egypt. And so th those movements were orchestrated by Joseph being obedient to what God was saying and God's purpose, God's will was done. So I think that's a great point. Anybody else? Well, I have a question. Yes. What if Joseph didn't do any of that? What if he would have stayed? He was like, okay, I think I hear something. I think I am supposed to go here. I know a census is being taken place, but mm, I think I want to stay here. What, what, what do you think would have happened had he not done that? Um, then things wouldn't have been in position for prophecy to be fulfilled. Mm. I mean, it's as simple as that. But God, knowing Joseph, knowing the time, God chose Joseph because he was a just man. Joseph was a person that was going to do the right thing. I don't think he would have chose a rebellious person to do the right thing. He would have chose a rebellious person to be rebellious. Yeah. Like he chose Pharaoh to be rebellious because... Pharaoh was a rebellious person. And so God, he's, he's so far ahead. He's playing chess, not checkers. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get him. Mm. He knows, you know, who will do what and why. And so, um, yeah, he wouldn't have chose, you know, somebody that was going to, no, I'm not going to obey God or I'm going to not hear it. So, mm. I mean, it's a great question. But in the end, God knew who he was choosing. He knew exactly who Joseph was. Better than Joseph knew who he was. Good answer. God orchestrated it all from the beginning. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and I, and I like that you said that because, and uh, Nikki, Nikki's hand is up. Okay. I like that you said that because a lot of people struggle with God. Um, being in control to the point where he doesn't have to bend people's will. Mm. He knows the person. Mm. You know, it's like when I was coaching basketball, <clears throat> I wouldn't put somebody who couldn't dribble as my point guard. Yeah. I put the person who I knew could dribble and who I knew would make the right pass at the right time. 
So it makes me look like a genius, but I really wasn't a genius. I just put the right person in there who was going to do the right thing. Well, think, think about God. He, he knows everything. <laughs> he knows absolutely everything. And so uh, when, when he's putting things together, he's like, okay, yeah, so Willie's going to be a rapper. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use him to reach these rappers. And, you know, he's working it out because he already knows the people. Right. And so he's not manipulating people's will. He's not making people do anything that they didn't have in them to already do. So. Uh, nice, nice. So, Nikki, is that who's next? Oh, I was just kind of being a little bit funny. Um, I was going to kind of use the example, like, no matter what, even like if Joe would have, I mean, Joe. Joseph would have been like, nah, yeah, Joe, Joseph. I ain't going, yeah. <laughs> you know, because God is in control. And again, y'all just being funny. Um, he'd have made, he'd have made it move anyway. Like maybe a landslide or they had to evacuate <laughs> the town. He had to go there anyway. He'd have made it happen. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Any, anybody else? <clears throat> big, big takeaway. Big takeaway. Go ahead, uh, um, Willie. The one that I really like, and then uh, Pastor TC's got it. Okay. Um, one big takeaway, I'm glad that Pastor Joe pointed out, was the Magi. Yeah. The, the Magi, like how they, it, it, we have tradition that says that there are three Magi, but there's nowhere in scripture that says that there are three Magi. You know, I, that, I, just, I just thought that was a good significant discovery. And I also thought it was interesting that it was Pastor Joe talking about Joe. Right. <laughs> Pastor Joseph talking about Joseph. Right. <laughs> so. Interesting. Pastor TC. Yeah, um, mine was how he pointed out the age of Jesus. You know, well, he didn't give an official age. Let me make sure I correct the but it's like how, uh, again, he's really thick in the scripture and he didn't speculate you know, like how he really, you know, didn't say, oh, he's a baby in the major. You know, like how he gave the time difference that, you know, he wasn't quite two years old, but, you know, he was close because he was the infant because of Harold, you know, so he was he was young, you know. But this could have been, you know, not just a seamless thing the way we make it seem in culture. So I like that he pointed that out. I thought it was really cool. Okay. Anybody else? Anything else? Anybody else? Anything else we want to touch on from Sunday's message that stood out to you that was a big takeaway um, before we move forward? Okay. Okay. So we're going to go over a few of the prophecies that we have covered in this series so far. Um, and uh, this was one of the, the first of those prophecies. And so the prophecy was Isaiah 7, 14. Um, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Um, the fulfillment of that. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 through 23 in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it says, The angel ans the, uh, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born. The Holy One will be born and called the Son of God. This is the Luke 135. We know that Matthew uh, 1, 22, and 23. Let's go to that real quick so we can see what that one says. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled that, that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Um, why do you think this prophecy is so important? Um, why, did, why does this 
why is this so important that this needed to be fulfilled? That if this would have went unfulfilled or if it would have been fulfilled in a different way, like we were saying, if, you know, somehow God, you know, got Jesus into the world, but he did it some other way, you know, why is this one so important that it be fulfilled? Anybody? What's your thoughts on that, that the importance of this prophecy and the fulfillment of it? Because I know thinking about it, you know, in that culture, this really would have been a sign because it would have been something that never happened before. It had been something that nobody had ever seen. And so it was important that it happened. Um, well, first of all, because we don't, God's not going to be a liar, right? You know, that if God said it, it's going to happen. But a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Some people argue that, that, that word virgin. And they say, well, young woman. Okay. Well, even if it's a young woman, is it, if we say young woman, does that mean that this young woman hasn't, you know, engaged in sex yet? You know, so that young woman still can be a virgin, even if you translate it young woman, a woman that has not been touched by a man. Any thoughts on that? Why it's so important? This this one's so important. No, no hands. I'll I'll be brave. Yeah, go ahead. I'll be brave. Um, one thing that's coming to my mind, because I really had to wrestle through, like, why would that be so significant? Besides the obvious right answer, right prophecy. And one thing that does come to mind is that. He did say that this child will be born of the spirit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, when I think about a child being born of the spirit, that means there wasn't, this wasn't a natural birth. Right. You know, and that, that's the thing that I'm kind of wrestling. I'm struggling out loud, like mm -hmm. just really kind of trying to find a way to articulate that. But that's one thing that does come to my mind is, okay, born of the spirit. What does born of the spirit mean? And it would have to be, as we say, a, a, an immaculate conception. Right? right. So that's one thing that does come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that this is the work of God and not the work of men. There you, go. you know, Jesus later on in John chapter three says, what is flesh is flesh. Mm -hmm. But what is spirit is spirit. And Jesus was born of the spirit. That's why we talked about in week one uh, or week two that his birth was not a myth. It was, it was a miracle. It was God working within human frailty and producing this amazing thing. Uh, Pastor Joe has a Pastor story. Joe. Um, one way that I like to look at it as is that um, Jesus is the first and the last of the only individual that I want to say it right. He was able to, through God, they was able to do something which what we do when we give our life to Christ. Right. So even though his was a physical birth, but the picture that what it was speaking is that this was a spiritual gift. This was going to be a spiritual birth. And when we give our life to Christ, we're reborn again, meaning it's almost the same thing we just not physically going through the aspect like he was the first and the last us to be able to get on the scene to do it so after him we will be able to be born again spiritually just like how his spiritual gift or how his spiritual birth was okay yes okay that's good wow. yes definitely definitely um looking for the verse uh it's in john i believe it's chapter five where is it at um, the verse where Jesus uh, talks about the father gives life, um, but he gave Jesus life and now Jesus gives us life. And so this life that we have, it comes from the father through him. 
And so it's not a natural birth. Let's go to John chapter 1. We'll look at that one and then if I can find the other one. John chapter 1 um, and verse 12. John chapter 1 beginning at verse 12. Here's what it says. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Wow. Okay. And so, like you said, Pastor Joe, Jesus was not born. Let's let's just let's just think about Jesus' birth. Jesus was not born of blood nor of the will or the capacity or the ability of man, but of God. Wow. And so when we believe on his name, we then are born not of blood, not of the will of man, but of God. That's how we're the children of God. And so Jesus being born of a virgin sets the tone for the same power that gave him life, in the womb gives us new life uh, in this world. And so, yes, that prophecy is significant in the sense that it sets the tone for being born again, uh, because we're going to be born. We're born again the same way that Jesus was born once. Right. Jesus was never born again. He was born once, but he was born of God. He was the child of the Holy Spirit. And so are we when we believe on his name. Pastor, um, also, I don't know, the other one that you probably was looking at was, was it um, John 5, I think it's 21, it talks about it 21 through 30, it might be in that one. Yeah, it was somewhere in there, John chapter 5. I think it's 20, it might be 21, or 26, but I think it's 21 through 30, it talks about that. It may yeah. be verse 26. Tw uh, 21, John 5, 21, for as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the verses right there. Uh, and he's talking about the resurrection, but he's also talking about the power to give life. The verse, and he's right. Verse 26 verse, also says. Uh-huh. Verse 26. For the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son... To have life in himself. Yeah. Yeah. So life is in. So the father had life in him. He grants the son the ability to have life in himself. And then the son gives us life. And it all starts with him being born. Not of blood. Not of flesh and blood. Nor of the will of man. But of God. That's a big one. Uh, hit me. Gotcha. All right. We're going to move on. So we have a prophecy. Um, this is from Genesis chapter 28 and verse 14. It says, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And so Jacob is a part of Jesus' genealogy uh, because this is a prophecy given to Jacob uh, even before he was Israel. And so uh, in Luke chapter 3, verse 34, and, and Taya did a good job of hitting this, uh, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor. And so these sons all lead down to Jesus being the offspring that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through. And, wow. uh, and we talked about this in Galatians, right? Yeah. The seed of Abraham, not the seeds, the but the seed. seed of Abraham. Come on, let's go. Right? Why is this one important? Why is this prophecy being fulfilled by Jesus important? Now this, yeah, this has heavy implications um, and it's kind of tied to the first one, you know, uh, what are your thoughts? What, what, 
What makes this one so important that Jesus fulfilled this? That he is the offspring uh, that was spoken about in Genesis, the, the, the book of beginnings. No one? Well, I'll give you one thing that prophecy to Abraham, um, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And so that seed is so important because in Genesis 3, and I believe it's verse 16, it talks about the seed of the woman, right? Will bruise the heel of the serpent, uh, or the, the, yeah, bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent will bruise his heel. And so that seed is still the same seed. That th th this seed, and Jesus later on talks about that a seed must first fall to the ground and die in order for it to produce fruit. And so this, so this seed metaphor, you know, uh, Jesus is the seed. He dies and he produces a harvest of new life to everyone that believes on him. So everyone who puts their faith in him, they are a product of the seed of him dying and rising. Now everyone can believe, everyone can receive new life through his death and his resurrection. Any other comments on that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Time down on me again. <laughs> Right. Here's another prophecy, and it has to do with the genealogy. Uh, here's the prophecy from Genesis 49.10. Again, this is from the book of Genesis. Way back from the beginning of the Bible, these prophecies were being made about Jesus, and he fulfills them in the New Testament. A scepter will uh, not depart. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nations shall be his. And so Judah is a part of Jesus's genealogy. And so uh, Judah being uh, one of uh, the, the sons uh, that lead to David. And so the prophecy to David was really a fulfillment of prophecy to Judah. Wow. So even though David gets this prophecy later on about uh, uh, the, the Messiah will come from his house and that he will always have someone in his family line on the throne. Well, the prophecy actually was given to his family before he was ever born. We focus on David, but this thing comes goes all the way back to Genesis. Questions, comments, concerns. Why is this important? I'll struggle out loud. Uh-huh. So why Judah in the very because I've always seen Judah, like you said, with David, you know, coming from the line of the tribe of Judah. But mm -hmm. why Judah in the very beginning? Uh Judah uh being the fourth son. I think Judah is the fourth. Yeah, thank yeah, I think Judah is the fourth son. Uh, one of the reasons that Judah was picked is because Judah was one of the, the, the least thought of. Wow. Out of all the brothers. For whatever reason, Judah was one of the least thought of. And I think we got to go back to Genesis <clears throat> where, um, uh, what is it, Genesis 30. Where Jacob, was birthing his children, and so let's make sure Jacob, Rachel, love, saw Leah, he conceived. So Reuben was number one. Simeon, was two. Levi was number. three. Three. 
and then did I skip over it? Let's see, Michael Jacob conceived and bore a son. Rachel said, God has judged my case and has also heard my voice. That's Dan. So Dan. <clears throat> Great wrestling, Natalie. Asher. I think I skipped right over Judah. Where is Judah? Judah is, could have sworn is number four. Levi is three. Yes. Uh, so Genesis 29, 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. And so Judah being the fourth, Judah meaning praise. And that's what Jesus is coming was to produce praise. That, that was his coming. And so even in the name Judah, it's prophetic that from praise shall come the Savior. Wow. I mean, even that in itself. Yeah, even that in itself. I'll have to look up uh, something to give you something specific about why Judah. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll get that to you. Any, uh, any questions about this? Comments? Okay. All right. Here's another prophecy from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 13. Uh, and this is the one about David. So when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood. I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so this one has a dual prophecy. Can anybody tell me what the immediate prophecy is? Who's he talking about in the immediate context? Willie. Solomon. Solomon. And so Solomon is the immediate prophecy, but Solomon wasn't going to live forever, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Solomon, Solomon wasn't going to live forever. David wasn't going to live forever. Um, real quick, let's go to Acts chapter 2. I love the fact that Peter brings this out, this prophetic word. He brings it full circle and kind of shows us uh, who this prophecy actually is talking about. We see it fulfilled in the genealogy that Jesus is uh, a part of David's house. But specifically, and I wanted to, to highlight this one, Acts chapter 2. And I think I'll go with verse 29. Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, y'all, and in his tomb. Uh, and is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him 
that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor his flesh see corruption. Uh, this Jesus has God raised up of which we are witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And then Peter goes into the famous preaching of the gospel and everyone's was cut to the heart and they turned to him. But this prophecy initially spoke to Solomon, but Solomon's throne wasn't going to be forever. Solomon wasn't going to live forever. David wasn't going to live forever, but Jesus will live forever. Woo. Now, 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 why is this important? I, I kind of gave it away. I kind of no, gave it away, but why is this so important? I'm going to slide on in there. <laughs> you, you just said it, because all the other kings, um, though their reign might have been great, Woo. they ended. Come on. Our God, Jesus, yeah. his reign will never end. Mm. It Man. will last forever. Man. He is the living God. The Man. almighty king. Who is this king of glory? Come on. Lord God Almighty. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's yeah. What's what's the song? And he shall reign forever and ever. <laughs> yeah, this is important not only for his reign, but for his ability to give eternal life, because. First of all, he can give new life, but also if his kingdom is forever, then he can give eternal life so that we can be with him for eternity in his kingdom. Uh, wow. Mm. So, 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 so his fulfillment of these prophecies is not just, yes, it's cool. He fulfilled it, but they speak to something greater. They speak to something that is more tangible for us as believers that if we can hang on to it, if he fulfills his word and he fulfills these prophecies, then the things that are promised to us, we know will be fulfilled. Wow. Go ahead, Willie. So, so that means that not only in him we have new life, but since he has an everlasting kingdom, that he promised us to be part of this. That everlasting kingdom. Come on. Wow. That's good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Y'all, 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 y'all tracking me? Yes. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> oh, um, the, the mazes happened. The mazes. Yes. Woo. Hello? Yeah, we here. <laughs> there, hey, man, I just heard something. Everlasting Father. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah, yeah, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Everlasting Father. Now, now the, mm. that particular title means, it doesn't mean that he is the father, it means that he is the progenitor of what is everlasting. That he, from him, comes what is everlasting. And so father in that, in that particular text is about progenitor, not about begetter. Wow. Mm. Okay. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so his spot. His spot as the one from wow. whence everlasting life will come from. Because God the Father... Yes. Okay, mm. we got we got two hands. Hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who are these two hands? Let's see. Come so forth. Got, oh yeah. Um, that was the old hand from the mazes, and we got a uh, Pastor Joe. Pastor Joe. I was just gonna say it's almost like it's a replica 
of bringing the life on what we can't see through God, but what we will be able to join with him, with God. Right. It's like he's that example, like he's bringing it forth into us. He's like Christ is representing both, like what you can't see and what we will be joined and see all together at the end as a human. It's like a red, that's why it's like a replica, like he's a, he's a representation yeah. of what right looks like. Yeah. That's what that's what everlasting father is. It's representing this ability to be everlasting. And so anyone connected to him, watch this. And we read that in John that he gave them the power to become children of God. Those that believe on his name, not of the not of, uh, of blood or of the will of man, but born of God. And so to be born of God is to have everlasting life. And the only way we can have everlasting life is through Jesus. And so Jesus becomes the beginner, the author and the finisher of our faith, the beginner of our everlasting life. It comes through Christ. So the father gives him life, John chapter five, and in him, he now has life. And now he gives that everlasting life to those who believe on his name. The mazes still have their hands up. I yes. Know if that's, they still wanted to say something. Can you just repeat that, what you said about progenitor? You said progenitor, right? Not, yes. What not, was the other word? Not begetter. Ah. Wow. Yeah, when you go and you look up that term father, it's going to mean, uh, it's going to say begetter. It's going to mean the father is going to mean the one who is the the uh, uh, the beginner of a household, a patriarch. Uh, in this case, Jesus is not the father because the father is the father. But Jesus is the progenitor of everlasting life. OK, so the same way we would say Thomas Edison, the father of the light bulb. Right. Right. He's the father of. The creator oh, of that, oh. the the one from whence that came from. Yeah. Ah. The originator. The originator. Okay. okay. The author, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas he mm. didn't create light. Right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Thank so, you for slowing that down. Thank so you. That's a, that, that was a good example. Yeah, good example. Hit me. Hit me. <laughs> All right. All right, here's another prophecy. Uh, Hosea 11.1, 1, and I think Taya might have covered this, but Pastor Joe also covered this as well. Um, actually, I don't know if he got that far. Maybe he did. Maybe he did touch on this. Maybe he did touch on this. Um, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And so the fulfillment, Matthew chapter 2 Verse 14 and 15. So he, being Joseph, got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, uh, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. And we were talking about that in the beginning, like, man, what if Joseph would have just stayed in bed? <laughs> what if he would have just... Nah, I ain't going, man. That's too far. <laughs> you know, what if he, you know, what if he had just stayed in Egypt? Like, uh, but, but to fulfill the, the word of the Lord, he got up and left um, and stayed uh, where he stayed until the death of Herod. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't speak. I didn't go more in depth. You didn't go that eight. far, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just I what I did is I tied. I said what you said, but I said it in the other form of how Joseph had to get up from Luke. He had to get up from Nazareth. Right. And right. That's the one you covered. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That prophecy that he had to go and for, and and get registered him and his wife um, in Bethlehem so that. The prophecy can be fulfilled that the baby will have been born in Bethlehem. So that's the one I spoke on. Yeah. Right. Numbers, right. And he went to Micah as well. Yeah, yeah Micah 5 2. Hit me. I think I have that one on there somewhere. Yeah, Here it is. Here it is. It's the next one. Okay, the prophecy. 
uh, comes from Micah 5, 2. This is the one that Pastor Joe covered. But you, Bethlehem, Ethra, through you, though you are small among the clans of Judah. See, there it is again. Uh, of clans of Judah, out of you will come for, for, uh, for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. There's that everlasting picture again. That's what this wording is talking about, that he was before, he was of old, right? Uh, so the fulfillment. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least of the rulers of, Ju of, of Judah, uh, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And that's Matthew chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Uh, now, why is this one so important? Why is this one so important that he come from uh, Bethlehem? Because of the bloodline of David and the, um, the king that's supposed to come to um, King David and the bloodline. Right, because Bethlehem is also called what? Does anybody know what the other name for Bethlehem is? Not what it means, but what's the other name for Bethlehem? Bethel? Is it Bethel? No. What's the, the, the other name for Bethlehem? Not what does it mean or the derivative. There's another name that they refer to Bethlehem as. Um, you'll... Anybody? I'm going to take a guess. Is it the city of David? Yes, ma'am. You got it. Okay. <laughs> Yes, you got it. That's it. City of David. The city of David. And so, like Pastor Joe said, he comes out of his lineage, the city of David. You know, he's, you know, the, the ruler from their throne. And so he comes out of the city of David. And so uh, Bethlehem just means house of bread. Right? House of bread. And so that in itself is prophetic. <laughs> but who... You know, that's, you know, but yes, the city of David. All right. Here's one that uh, Pastor Joe covered on Sunday. So I threw it in here and I want to talk a little bit about this because I think this is really interesting. And so the prophecy, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth out of Jacob. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. The fulfillment. When they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Now, there's there's something interesting here. And what ties these two together is that the prophecy and the people who were looking for the prophecy have something in common. Does anybody know what that is? And Pastor Joe can't answer because he taught it. <laughs> you said the prophecy? The prophecy, the people who are, the person, actually the person who's prophesying and the people who were looking for the prophecy have something in common. Mm. Man, y'all stumped. Anybody, come on. Y'all got to know this. Can I, can, can I go here? Yes, come on. They seen him? No, no, no. You're, you're thinking too small. The person who prophesied this and the people who were looking for the fulfillment of this prophecy have something in common. They were astrologists, astrologists. You're close. You're close. You're close. Okay. You're real close. You're real um, close. Does anybody know who made the original prophecy? 
was Moses. No. It wasn't Moses. No. If you get this, you'll get it. That that's the biggest hint I can give you. Figure out who made the original prophecy, and oh. you'll be able to tie them. So what does the person, the person who prophesied this, and the people who, who saw the fulfillment okay. of this prophecy, what do they have in common? No, they're both sorcerers. That's that's one thing. Yeah, that that's in common. But they're both Gentiles. Gentiles. Okay. That's more important. That's more important. Okay. That's more important because what does it do? It already shows you that Jesus came, that Jesus came for the world. So from old. You have a Gentile prophet prophesying about Jesus and you have Gentile wise men looking for the coming of Jesus. Wow, that's good. Are you with me? Yeah. Now I am. (laughs) That, That is significant. And yes... The Magi were wise men, so maybe they, you know, maybe they dabbled in prophecy or sorcery. Maybe um, we definitely know that both of them probably were students of the stars, so they probably both knew astrology, because astrology was actually one of the ways that the wise men or the prophets of other nations predicted things. It was written in the stars. And I know we as believers are like, oh, that's spooky, that's scary, you know. But God can use anything he wants to say what he wants. And if he's going to speak to people who are not Israelites, he's going to have to speak to them in a way that they'll understand it. Okay, that's good. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, before we get into this, any questions, comments, or concerns about the the prophecies, anything that occurred to you that you're like, hey, you know, I want to share this uh, before we get into kind of tying the testaments together and looking at the 400 years of silence, uh, which is called the intertestamental period or the second temple period. Um, And I'll explain why. Something did occur to me. Yes. So when you talked about the city of David and Bethlehem, meaning what is the city of bread? The house of bread. The yeah. house of bread. I thought about Jesus saying he's the bread of life. Yes. <laughs> that, just, like, that just kind of just clicked a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, I need more, but. Yeah, <laughs> kinda, yeah, 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 definitely. 